Hello, welcome to the summer special of the Hip Hop Stop. It's been a little while, hope you didn't miss us too much. It's been, how long has it been now? It's been about four months since our last episode, as, you know, everything's kind of been a bit up in the air over the last few months. Um, it's only myself today, Connor. Uh, the other lads had other stuff going on, they weren't available to make it, but figured no point just scrapping the episode, so I'll be here to deliver some top quality content for you to enjoy. Um... This is a very special episode because it's going up on DCFM's Spotify as part of the podcast series they're doing over the summer. I'd encourage you to check out all of the other episodes because there's a lot of good stuff going up there. Um, so yeah, hello all DCFM people who might not be aware of who I am or what this show is. So welcome to the Hip Hop Stuff. This is a show where myself and normally the two other lads, we take a different topic or a different artist every week. and We just take a little bit of a look at either their careers or a certain album that's come out. Um, before we get into this episode, I'd like to first off um, apologize because I think the audio quality might be a little bit worse off than it normally is just because I'm having to record this with my headphones at home rather than the lovely studio equipment. So apologies in advance for that. But getting on to the episode. So I had a few ideas as to what to discuss for this, but I thought considering it's a summer special, no better topic to do than summer tracks. So I think I'm going to have to slightly rework the structure of the episode just because I think a lot of the normal structure of the show is obviously kind of different opinions myself and the others would have and kind of going through them but I think now I've got a bit more room to go through my own thoughts on the songs and maybe have a bit more of a look at various different things so how I might structure it now is taking a look at some summer some really kind of like summer songs now that I think are the biggest summer songs of the year then taking a look at some going back now I say old school one of the songs is 2015 but some of them are from the 80s so taking a look at like old school some of the big summer songs and then kind of seeing some of my favorite summer tracks at the moment to sorry um my laptop's making weird noises um sorry to wrap up the episode then taking a look at some of my kind of favorite summer songs at the moment um yeah summer songs like it's it is kind of hard to explain what exactly is meant by that but if you've ever when if you've ever listened to any of the songs I talk about and I would highly recommend listening to any of these songs I think they're all phenomenal you might kind of get what I mean hopefully because I think there's a specific kind of nearly light-hearted sound to them and normally it's a very carefree song in terms of its lyricism um but starting with Dinner Guest, uh, which is an AJ Tracy and Mostak song, I think the UK definitely is miles ahead of any other country when it comes to making summer music. Something about how grime works just lends itself so perfectly to the sound that I'd associate anyway with um, summer hip-hop tracks. Uh, it has a really nice, lazy vibe throughout the entire song, especially for Mostak. Um, AJ Tracy, he's got a little bit more of an intense feeling to his own lyrics but um and his own like kind of cadence in the song but it doesn't 
hit too hard that it throws off the entire kind of vibe of the track. Uh, personally, I don't think there's a lot to say about the beat. Um, it has a UK feel to it, um, and it complements the song really nicely, but it just didn't stand out a whole lot compared to some other songs, which I'll come to a little bit later. Um, but like most summer tracks, uh, it had a big emphasis on, I suppose, kind of romance as the main theme of the song, although it wouldn't be a grime song if it didn't at least have a few bars, which is kind of just basically trying to flex on everybody else. Uh, one of my favourites is the line, Stop the drilling in my merch, you're a donut. Um, because that's such a schoolyard insult. Like, if you called someone a donut, would they really be offended? But it's just the way he says it, it's like you'd be humbled if someone said that to you. Um, I think, but back, yeah, back to the theme of the song. There's a nice kind of contrast where Mostak, he offers a very honest, relatable take, which is kind of funny as well. Whereas AG comes in, he has a very kind of cocky swagger to him which I think the contrast there and the different viewpoints, they create really kind of an enjoyable back and forth between the two artists, and you're not just getting the same thing, which is quite nice. Um, and then, yeah, they've got very good imagery as well. Difference, uh, the difference between them can be seen in the lines. Um, from most stack where he goes, um, I'm moist and I'm kind of shy, and then AJ Tracy, like, one kiss is all it takes, uh, which is a Dua Lipa reference there. AJ Tracy is known to be a big Dua Lipa fan, but just there, even, like, the look between them where... Mostak is being like, oh, I've no clue what I'm at. And AJ Tracy's just like, I can do whatever I feel like. Um, in hip-hop, there's that kind of general formula where it goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Uh, normally, you know, like three verses, chorus in between. This song kind of flips it and it lets the artists bounce off each other. So the way they've done it is Mostak will start off his verse. And then as soon as he's done, AJ will go straight into his. There'll be no chorus or anything breaking between them. Um, I think that's as a listener that's really appealing because it's something different to what you'd normally hear um, and it just kind of keeps you interested during the song and then there's another change which comes into the last verse which keeps you interested then throughout the entirety of the song where they do a joint verse so two bars from Mostak, two bars from AJ then a kind of back and forward and nearly talking to each other within the verse um, again something like that it's used occasionally and when it's done well, it's done really well. And I think they did it quite well here, especially considering that this wasn't originally planned to be part of the song. They added in these lines later because they included a line about COVID. Um, so I think it was around the time they got ready to release the song. They were like, here, do you want to just stick a little bit extra in? And it worked. It paid off. Um, and then as well as that, this has nothing to do with, I suppose, the song itself. But I think shout out to the lads for doing this but they donated the profits from their first week of release to the nhs to go towards all the frontline workers which like for a song first week profits that's the bulk of the money they're going to make off that and they donated it to charity which i think fair play to them because that's more than their government's done anyway um but not getting too heavily into politics and moving swiftly on to the next song um west 10 another aj track um this one is with mabel it's a song that i was looking forward to for a while and actually both of these songs, shameless plug really quick, I discussed both of them and more because I did a charts episode on my new podcast, uh, The Sunday Soundtrack, which you can find on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, everywhere, and on Instagram as well. Um, had to throw that little plug in there because it's only new, so trying to gain as much listenership as possible. But getting back to the song West 10, um, yeah, as I said, a collab that I was really excited for and I wasn't at all disappointed. Um because I think something about AJ Tracy anyway, I've I've yet to be kind of unimpressed by a song by him. I think he's definitely got a lot of talent. He's 
not been the biggest name, I think, compared to if you look at the likes of Stormzy or Wiley or any of them. But I think he's definitely quite a big name and he's only getting bigger. I think this song has a nice kind of versatility to it where I think you could listen to this song if you're just sitting around relaxing doing nothing. You could listen to this song if you're out going for a run. It'll probably be played on the radio a fair bit. And I also wouldn't be surprised if it was played in all the nightclubs once they're back open. The beat comes in really softly and then it builds slowly with the chorus, adding in some vocals from Mabel before then it jumps straight into the main chorus and it has this nice, really relaxed energy. The beat feels kind of like you're just flowing along with it. You're riding it like a wave seamlessly between each chorus and the verse. Um, and then like I think that especially works well because AJ is also included in the chorus. They keep some of his lyrics in there that he uses in his initial verse in the song and I think just having them both on the chorus before jumping back into the verse lends itself really well to the song. I realize I can't really do a discussion on music and all these topics if I only offer kind of one viewpoint nearly which is just oh this is great this is why the song's so good like I think I need to offer some kind of criticisms for it to be worth anything but really with some of these songs there aren't many things that I found I disliked of it. Now obviously I'm not trained in music I I'm just a casual listener of songs, but um, so there might be people who would be better suited to go into all the th- all the flaws that this music has. But I can't really see much. But if I had to say something that I'd critique about West Ten, the lyrics do confuse me a little bit because it does feel like you're listening to two different songs, depending whether you focus more on Mabel or more on AJ Tracy. Mabel, her. Uh, chorus and the verse she does it makes it sound like it's a breakup song but not a soppy sad breakup song where everything's awful it's one of those like boss bitch um breakup songs where it's like she's better off without her fella she's got lines like don't you know i'm walking away you know i ain't waiting for you but then on the other hand aj has a much different message in every verse um in the first verse he has a nice wholesome vibe and he talks about being there to support his mates if they're ever having problems and about how he wants to help them and support them grow. Um, the line, if life's weighing you down, then I'll spot you, water you, show you, sun, never block you. It's really encouraging. But then the second verse swaps it up a bit and he looks at his success and talks about how he's now worked his way into a position where he's capable of taking care of his friends. Um, the line, touch one of mine and on God I'm a ride. Uh, pressure makes diamonds, try me, I'll thrive. The message in the song I think is really relevant to the last few months because now more than ever with all the isolation, um, I know I think everyone needs to be coming together supporting their mates make sure people are doing okay um, it's a very solid tune altogether and yeah as I said I wouldn't be surprised if it was a constant play in various radio stations right so if you are aware of the artist of the next track or if you know any of their music you might think I'm taking the piss here but generally I'm not right so KSI big UK YouTuber probably biggest UK YouTuber um, boxer rapper everything he does a little bit of everything but anyway Uh, A lot of his music in the past has been questionable, I suppose, to say the least, in quality. Um, It's not been good. It's kind of trash. But he's he's working his way. He's been doing music for about seven or so years now, maybe longer. And he's gotten better. And I think his latest album, The Simulation, his debut album, which reached number two in the charts, so he's doing something right. Um, Like, he's reached new heights with his music. Now, is he a top grime artist? No. Is he ever going to probably be on the same level as say Stormzy or somebody no probably not but he's not bad he's not the worst out there anymore he was supposed to perform at a couple festivals this year I believe Tomorrowland and Parklife 
Um, and generally, it's a shame they were cancelled. I think he has the kind of energy and songs with this kind of energy would do really well on stage. And I think generally it could have done a lot for his credibility as an artist if he was able to perform. But hopefully we'll see next year or in a couple of years when things go back to normal. Because I think this song was made for that kind of crowd and atmosphere you'd get at a big, massive festival. Um, the beat itself is sick and it's one that feels really full. Like sometimes hip-hop beats can feel a little bit hollow kind of like they're missing something or they're like a 2d sound nearly because it's that very kind of computerized sound rather than like a full bodied instrumental um there's song i suppose i'll come to a little bit later which will kind of embody more what i'm saying on that so i'll bring it up then to get an idea but um this beat it kind of, it just fully envelops you it's like it's a solid object nearly and it's impossible not to at the very least pop your head to it um, it's technically more of an afro string song than regular hip-hop and the influence is clear in the beat giving it a much more upbeat vibe um, again though like some of the songs I've spoken about nothing too groundbreaking lyrically although there is a bit of wordplay I liked with the chorus line easy peasy squeezy and make man just like Houdini um, like how are you going to make a bar about shooting someone and you're going to phrase it easy peasy squeezy when the line is about pulling the trigger on somebody um, I think a lot of Americans I saw online were trying to make fun of this line, make fun of the song because of that. And I think it's just a big cultural thing. Uh, same with that line about Donut from Dinner Guest, because I think there's something that UK artists can just kind of get away with saying these almost silly lines just because of, one, their accents and just their kind of demeanor when making music. There's, It's a lot more fun nearly than Americans who I think try and make everything very serious about their music whereas you can tell we UK I think again that's why UK wins when it comes to summer good vibes music because you can tell that they don't make music unless they're having fun with it Um, the song the Houdini line sorry is good because the song is about disappearing after committing a crime crime more than likely is you know the easy peasy squeezy pulling of the trigger on somebody Um. Now, um, this is going to sound kind of childish, but KSI has a line where it's him talking about some girl and the line says, my fourth letter getting bigger than the alphabet. I didn't cop it the first time I heard it, um, a little bit slow, but it's kind of clever. Um, I Just something about that kind of wordplay where it's not something I expect. It's not the most clever in the world, but it's like to me, it seems a little bit more advanced than something KSI might have dropped a few years ago. There's an element of some kind of subtlety he's attempting, which I think shows growth as an artist. Um, he puts on an accent as well for his verse, which seems really weird because I'd watch his YouTube videos so I'd know what he sounds like. And when I heard that voice, I was kind of taken aback at first. It was a little bit strange, but it adds a lot more to the song than his normal voice would have. And it makes it go a lot more smooth uh, with the beat. Uh, Tion Wayne, who does the second verse, he's someone I'd never heard of before, but he was very solid on the song. He had a nice little rhyming scheme about social media where tap, tap, snap, snap, that kind of repetitive sound but about different social media and i just thought that created a nice little uh back and forth on his verse um his music isn't for everyone i suppose ksi but i still recommend checking out the album or at the very least this song and killer killer which is another very decent track and um, which it's like to me it's like almost summer vibes but it's just not quite there it's a very kind of pop ish song though um but yeah i want to move away from the uk now and take a look at American um, music from this year, uh, especially Jack Harlow, because when I spoke earlier about a very hollow, empty beat 
this is the first song that now will come to mind when I think of that because What's Poppin', um, it was a very minimalistic beat. It felt nearly more like I was listening to an interlude at various points than an actual song. And the fact that it was only two minutes as well lended to that lended to that too. But I think based on the song itself and the fact it was pretty much one verse with a chorus that acted as like an intro outro, it wouldn't have worked if it was any longer than two minutes. So I think he did quite well there. Um yeah, it wasn't too intense as a track, which is good, but it wasn't overly relaxed at the same time. It was a very minimalistic beat, as I said. And then the lyrics, they were iffy. Like, I enjoyed the song, I listened to it, but it's not the best song in the world by a long shot. And I think that's something I'm going to be coming back to because it's like part of what makes these songs enjoyable is the fact that they are nearly those made for radio songs where they're not trying to tell some kind of big story or they're not trying to be profound in what they're saying which to me that's something I look for in music I want big lyrics like this but when you're making a song like this you're making it for people to just enjoy you're making it for the radio you're making it for whatever reason you're not making it for that so I can't really criticize it too much on that front but a big criticism that I can have is his flow on the song it's so repetitive it's like da 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 that you know that was just me making noises that didn't really sound up but go listen to the song for yourself jack harlow what's popping you'll get what i mean it's so repetitive he tries to switch up the flow i think like once or twice in the last 40 seconds or so of the song and like near the very end of it but he does it for like half a line then goes right back to doing what he's doing i think that's just boring like i enjoyed the song but like he can't just be a one-trick pony nearly you have to show some kind of range for it to be really good um i think though there is some kind of genuine content though hidden in there within the braggy nature of the song um including something that unfortunately seems to happen with anyone of fame which was he talks a little bit about having to get rid of toxic people who were jealous of his success um because i think jack carlos at a point now where his career has really started to pop off and he knows it. He's got lines about how he's been putting in a shift working on himself and his music just to try and get himself better. And um, One thing he does quite well, I think, is ad-libs. None of them felt out of place. And to announce the best moment in the entire song, which I think speaks about the quality of the song, is one of his ad-libs. He's got a line, um, Dark hair bitch, she look like she-go. And all you can hear in the background, uh, she-do. It was a bit unexpected, but I think it worked. I feel like I'm nearly rushing through everything as I say it, but it's just I'm so unused still to not having music to kind of give an exam give an actual example and kind of like nearly prove any points i'm trying to make where i can just be like say this this and this and then i play the song and then be like there that showed xyz whatever i was saying so it feels really weird that's just like i'm saying this and i could just be chatting absolute rubbish because if you haven't heard the song and if you don't listen to the song you you just have to take my word for it so it's still feeling really weird to getting used to and as well as that it's like i now have to try normally like in an episode we'll talk about a couple songs maybe and we'll get through like five or six but it's just I feel like I don't want to give like a 10 minute episode which is what this would be if I was just to do everything we normally talk about without the music so apologies if this sounds a little bit rushed again like it's been four months since I was last in the studio so I've practically forgotten how to speak I am dreading when I go to edit this and have to listen to the amount of ums ums hmms that are definitely going to be scattered all throughout this um but moving yeah just caught one there uh moving swiftly onwards um i would love to sit here for the next hour 
two hours, three hours, however long, talking about Juice World's album because technically he released it in the summer. Could I count it as a summer album? No, not really. It's far too depressing. But it's phenomenal. And I think there are two songs that I can nearly get away with talking about because they're not really summer songs, but they're, they're half art. I'm going to make an exception for them because I think if you haven't listened to this album, you need to stop whatever you're doing as soon as you're done listening to this. Go and listen to that album because it's phenomenal. Um, but Up, Up and Away, one of these songs off Legends Never Die, Juice World's first posthumous album. The approach to the song was fantastic. Um, it had it was a bit slow, which I'm not usually a fan of. But the reason behind it, I don't really mind now that it was slow. It was near like a concept type song where everything about it, to me anyway, was done for a reason going thematically with the song. And I think they pulled it off really well. Uh, the song is from Juice's perspective while he is incredibly high. So the light, airy feel that it has is, I think, basically meant to be from his perspective while his brain is just on a buzz floating around. Uh, the beat sounds like nearly something you'd hear in a holiday resort ad. Like, you know those old Trabalgan ads? That's what the beat reminded me of a little bit. Um, but behind this facade, unfortunately, we, the listener, we're still firmly planted on the ground. We're not off up on cloud nine wherever juice is under the influence and so we can see the darker tones in his lyrics where we see in the first chorus that he's not using drugs just recreationally for fun um to be in a good mood or whatever he's running from his issues searching for an escape route and confront these demons that we hear throughout the album which is a big theme in juice world's music a lot of it is to do with his mental health, his problem with substance abuse. Um, I think it's really, it's not good necessarily because like it's not that he glorifies substance abuse or anything, but I think it's just he does talk about it really like nearly graphically and often, but I think it is fantastic that he is willing to be so open and vulnerable and raw to his audience and really open up about the problems he's going through rather than try and make it sound like everything is great, life is fantastic just because he's rich and famous. Um, it's something different and I think he definitely falls into that emo trap category but sometimes he comes out with, even though it has the darker undertones, if you were to just casually listen to this and not really care about the lyrics, which I think a lot of people who would be into the trap fan base would have that approach to listening to the song, then it's just a good mood song. But again, as I said, to me, lyrics are nearly everything for a song. So looking at it from that perspective, it's quite dark. Um, the verse, though, expands on that with the line, hard to think, easy to cry, numb the pain with fun times. It also suggested that this method of escape is placing a strain on his relationship, which again, this relationship is a big theme in the album. There are a lot of songs which directly relate to it. Um, but the line, I tell her that I'm high, she don't seem surprised. So this is a regular occurrence. It's just not that, it's, that she's like fed up with it, but it's just like she can't expect any difference from now. Um, and the other song that I want to talk about from Juice World's album, and then I promise I'll get back to actual summer music, is Man of the Year, because this is one of my favorite songs of 2020. So there is no way I'm going a full episode without talking about it. Um, it was the final song in the album. And after the ultimately depressing journey through said album, it completely lifted my spirits and it left me so inspired, motivated. I felt like I could run a marathon, climb Mount Everest, do anything after listening to the song the first time. I've now gotten to a stage where I've listened to it on repeat so many times I'm starting to get a little bit sick of it. But I still think it's phenomenal. Um, I can't guarantee it'll have that same effect for you, but I found it to be incredibly powerful anyway. There is a second version, but... 
uh, this version. I don't know which is the official one because one's on YouTube and one's on Spotify. And according to Juice's, I suppose now ex-girlfriend, uh, she came out on Twitter after people were giving out about the changes and stuff saying that the one on Spotify was the one Juice apparently wanted. So I'm going to consider that the real version. Um, and plus I've listened to the one on YouTube and personally I don't think it's as good. It's a lot more fuzzy sounding and the lyrics were changed slightly. There's a lot more clarity in sound. Like it feels very like sharp in the Spotify version which I think makes it so much better especially considering the type of song it is because if it had that fuzzy sound it wouldn't have the uplifting positive inspiring feel that the Spotify version has um so yeah I I described him as emo rap a minute ago but here he pretty much drops that rap aspect and brings a track very reminiscent of early 2000s or late 90s rock sound um or I suppose, well, soft rock, that kind of emo band sound, uh, with the soft rock instrumental that isn't anything like any of his other songs, but it completely subverts everything I thought I knew about him, as um, I haven't really dove deep into Juice on this, but something I find about him is that you can instantly recognise a lot of his music, um, even if you haven't heard the song before, but you know what Juice World tends to sound like, a lot of his songs will have a very familiar feel to it, and he normally has quite a lazy flow. It's the complete opposite in this song, um, which I loved because it doesn't feel at all out of place. He sounded so incredibly comfortable on this track, um, which I think fair play to him because that showed the kind of range he has. And I think it's so unfortunate that he's gone now because he had such untapped potential and was really only starting to really make big waves in the rap world. And yeah, he had so much talent. Um, I'm going to stop fanboying for a second just to take a look at the song, but I have a few general points as well to go through in a bit. So yeah, it was a quite short song at just over two minutes with two short verses as well, but it paints a really good picture within that space of time. Lyrically, it's the normal stuff with him being aware of his issues and his drug use. Uh, the line, man of the year, still got problems. Um, but there's such a carefree feeling now. It's like, yeah, whatever, it's grand, sure. After a whole album of being like, everything's awful because I my mental health just doesn't let me feel happy and all this. Um, now it's just like, well, I can't really get rid of it. This is just part of me, so I might as well just live with it and just try and enjoy myself. Um, his voice lends to it. It's not fast rapping, but it's more... It's not really talking or fully singing either. It's... I, I don't have a word to describe really what it is because I don't think it can be described as rapping, singing, or talking because it's a little bit of all three. Um, and there's complete clarity in his words. Like I said, uh, we normally only hear the mumble, but here it's completely different. Um, although that mumble does appear a little bit in the chorus when the beat gets a bit darker. Like it goes from the upbeat thing and then it gets kind of deeper and then it goes with the lines, I know I'm here to save you. I know my lyrics saved you. I know I helped your breakthrough. To me, the way I interpreted this was Juice is acknowledging the impact on the relationship he's had with his fan base, as even though he may not seem like a role model with his consistent lyrics about drug abuse, his raw, honest look at his mental health, it's resonated with people, and I think there are a lot of people where, I say I think, I've seen comments plenty on Twitter, Genius, um, Facebook, YouTube, where people are saying that his music saved their life, and that it's had such a big impact on them as a person and for their mental health. I think it's amazing that he's managed to create something that can have this effect for people. But it's a heavy burden for him, the artist, knowing people rely on his music like this. And I think that dropping that carefree sound for those lines was a quite good nod to that. And now I could be reading it that way too much. 
you know, the classic secondary school English teacher thing of trying to find a meaning in anything and everything. But, you know, no, there's no one to prove me wrong that this isn't why they did that for the song and why it sounds like that. So I'm going to choose to believe that I'm right because I quite like the interpretation I have. And that's the beautiful thing about music. It is very subjective. So I could, for all intents and purposes, be correct. I could be the complete opposite. I could be entirely wrong, but we'll never know. The second verse, though, is I I have written down here that's fairly nonsense. But looking back, it's not fairly nonsense. It's just a lot of his stuff. I think he has quite good lyrics. But here he kind of in the middle of the verse just starts talking about finding some girl um, in a hotel lobby or whatever. And it has really nothing to do with anything, which is why I think I wrote it was nonsense. But um, then I realized it's part of what makes the verse enjoyable because he takes a break from that usual stuff and he does a normal verse that you might hear in any trap song and for that to be the final verse of the album i took that as a sign that when he was recording this he was moving forward and he was hopefully moving forward into a better headspace and away from that kind of mental health issues because by ending the album on a not so depressive note and on that more positive note to me that was nearly like closing the chapter in his life that would have been heavily prevalent earlier in the album and as well on Death Race for Love's 2019 album, which was a really depressing album with songs like Robbery and Empty having a really bleak outlook on everything, I suppose. Um, the lyrics of the second verse tie into the general points I said I wanted to come back to, so I may as well get into both of them now. Uh, he kicks off the verse with the line, They say life's a puzzle, I'm a piece it together, but from the way I'm moving, I'll probably be piecing forever. He doesn't sound sad about this, though. Like, yeah, that's a depressing line, and... I think it nearly feels kind of relatable probably to a lot of people because it's that kind of thing where you nearly always feel like you're drifting. You never quite feel like you've gotten everything together where you want to be. But it sounds like he's looking forward to the challenge of trying to get everything sorted. Um, the verse ends with the line, we got the world to our backs, give a fuck and ever have, middle fingers up, we're screaming, fuck them forever. To me, that rock emo band sound um, is really shown there because that's that kind of standing up to the system although i suppose the system in this case is his personal demons and his mental health but uh, it's that kind of thing where it's like i'm gonna be my own person i'm gonna do what i want you're not gonna control me um and yeah that kind of rocky must sound it gives the message of yeah okay everything sucks everything's shite but we don't care uh we're gonna have lots of fun and his upbeat demeanor in the song combined with the lyrics in the second verse as well as actually there's a line from the first verse, uh, JK Juice World, you're so awesome. He says that after some self deprecation. All of that ties together and just creates a big, absolutely massive fuck you, I win to mental health issues. It shows there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And I think in a year filled with so much fear and uncertainty, it's the music we need. And I thor- thoroughly believe that the world's much worse off without Juice World. Um, and I suppose that's where I'm going to wrap up talking about Juice World, And I think I need to move on swiftly because I think I will spiral quickly and just start talking about the whole album. But again, if you want to hear me talk about the whole album, another little plug I just uploaded about a week ago, uh, an episode of Sunday Soundtrack where I did a breakdown of about half of the songs on the album. So if, a lot of it I repeated here. So it's a lot of the same content for those two songs. But for the other ones, uh, give it a listen. Go on, share. Um, but going back to, I suppose now, old school summer songs, I'm not really going to do a big thing of, here's what I did then, here's what I do now, because 
there's no point in that because music evolves. We all know that music now isn't the same as it was back then, so I think it's kind of redundant for me to try and point out all those differences. I think I'd much rather just kind of appreciate what I like about the older songs for what they are. And I think one of the best ones is, uh, actually, you'll notice a trend here where the bulk of them are UK rather than US, but Wiley, I think he's most well known for his summer songs, uh, Can You Hear Me and Heatwave are two songs which, even if you're not a big Grime fan or you're not a Wiley fan, most people have at least heard these songs. Um, old Wiley is arguably his peak. If you've seen about a few months ago, end of 2019, or maybe start of 2020, he was beefing Stormzy. Uh, they were calling each other out and he was calling like Stormzy a sellout and stuff, but I think that's Wiley just in his fading relevancy looking for any kind of clout that he can get. But I think if we forget about 2019, 2020 Wiley and we look back to 2012 days, he was definitely in his peak. Like he was kind of on top of the UK scene and deservedly so. He was smashing it. Um, he's got good wordplay in the verse, Can You Hear Me? It's a song that he does with Skepta, Jamie and uh, Mrs. D. She provides the chorus and she really gives it that kind of summer sound. And it has a very 2012 sound to it. Um, but yeah, his wordplay, there's one line that I particularly liked, which was um, painting, she's going to hang with me, but he says painting like painting. Uh, so painting, you hang a painting, painting, good looking girl, she's going to hang with me, she's going to go off with him. Um, to me, I don't know, something about that line always just stood out to me because I didn't know what painting meant till a few years after I first heard the song. So it was after I caught that, I was like, ah, that's good. Um, there's a real feeling of, I suppose, nostalgia now with the song, which I think lends itself to older music I think that'll always be something where when people are talking about their favorite songs and talk about years ago I think nostalgia is definitely always a big factor when looking at favorites of anything um and the fact that uh Jamie I think this is before he kind of got big but Jamie and Skepta the two brothers working together on a song they're both insanely talented now and have both grown a lot since this song came out but um yeah it's just nice seeing them collab on a track together they sounded really good um and then Skepta actually references Heatwave on the song, which is another song I'm going to get into in a second. I don't have a lot of notes on these songs. I'm going to be honest, I put the bulk of the work looking into the more recent music because I think they're ones that people are more likely to know, especially because a lot of them are chart songs. So I thought it was more worth my time doing a really deeper dive into those ones and especially because I thought I'd have two other people to kind of do a back and forth with. So I was like, oh, I don't need to do hours and hours of research on these so i think that's a bit more evident here but yes yeah, get the references heatwave on that track chosen a little line to it uh because that was another song in the album i think personally i prefer can you hear me but i think heatwave ended up being a bigger song because it was just a very repetitive sounding song with a lot of the same lyrics so it meant it was catchier it stayed in people's head longer and it was i suppose better suited for radio as well um so yeah nothing's really happening in that song they're just chatting about the summer uh, the beat sounds old, like I know it's from 2012, but it sounds old, old, like something you'd hear in an old arcade game nearly. Um, I thought the chorus was quite boring, to be honest. Um, like, just write some new lyrics, don't just use the same few things on repeat. Um, even though the whole song is kind of repetitive, and I get that's why I wanted it, but again, for me, lyrics are a big thing. So I would have liked a little bit of variation, show off what they can do. Because this, again, as I said, while he was in his peak, he needed to show off a little bit. Moving on... Fast forwarding a couple of years to 2015, um, Not Letting Go. Um, I adored this song. I will still listen to it gladly on repeat. Tiny Tempa and Jess Glynn. Jess Glynn is my guilty pleasure when it comes to music. I adore 
her songs. Um, so the fact that she collabed with Tiny Tempa to make a summer banger, I was over the moon back summer of 2015. When was that? That would have been... She's just done the junior suit, so I suppose, yeah, that was quite a good summer. Um, it's a nice chill uh, kind of love song track. Um, I think it was undoubtedly the song of the summer in 2015. Um, and then while listening to it, I think it's just a really wholesome message because it's um, they're just kind of talking about how much they love each other in the song, like talking to their respective partners and stuff. And like, um, she know the line from Tiny Temper, she know I love her even if I never say the words. And it's like, she know she doesn't know the words of the ver- I can't remember it, the words here, and I don't have them in front of me, but it's, like, the line that he ends the verse with is to the fact that, like, she doesn't know the lyrics to the verse, but she knows the chorus or whatever, and then Jess Glynn comes in with the chorus speaking from the girl's perspective in this relationship, and I thought that was a really nice way to kind of lead into it, but uh, the only thing that hasn't aged well on the song is in each verse, Tiny Tempa throws in an Or Kelly reference, which is a bit of a no-no these days. Um... But then I suppose I can't really just kind of talk about the UK. I kind of have to show the US as well because they'd be the two heavy hitters when it comes to hip hop music. And Will Smith, to me, has the only decent summer tracks I've heard from the UK. Sorry, not the UK, from the US anyway. Uh, so they'd be back. When would this be? Early 90s, late 80s, uh, somewhere around then. But the song Miami, if you haven't heard that song, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but Miami is a proper throwback summer track, but it's a banger. He actually has verses with effort and lyrics, something that actually the UK fell behind on those last few songs with the Wiley ones especially. Like he has three separate verses where he tells a story in each verse and there's no repetitiveness to it at all. It's fantastic. Uh, He's talking about a trip that he takes to Miami in Florida and just talks about what he gets up to on the trip. And he describes it so well, like, you can fully imagine that you're there. Like, fair play, Will Smith, I think, is incredibly underrated as an artist because he's really only known now for his acting. Um, On Summertime, another Will Smith song. Uh, lovely little collab between The Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Uh, really laid back. Um, It's a good song, I think, for kind of just chilling on the beach, doing nothing. Um, And like the last song, he's kind of telling a story of, like, how he spends his summer like in his youth and stuff growing up or whatever and just kind of like what they'd get up to and it gives you that kind of especially like as someone who's never been to america like does uh someone who'd probably have a very different life to how they live in america um it's quite nice getting that kind of perspective on like how they spend their summers and how it's kind of just like this universal thing of like yeah you just have good times with good people and i think it's a really nice kind of song to just relax to and enjoy and I suppose that's all I really have to say about that because yeah as I said I didn't compile as many notes on those last few songs I did in the earlier stuff but to be honest I feel like I've rambled on for quite a while now Um, if you've managed to make it to this far in the episode um, thank you for listening and for putting up with all of my stutters and stumblings and all the various rambling I did during this episode Um, hopefully by the time the year starts up again and by the time the hip-hop stop is back with three of us and we get making decent content again um i'll have had a bit more practice and i'll know what i'm doing once again um if you are a new listener and you're only just finding us through dcfm's podcasting series um i would highly recommend going checking out the hip-hop stop on spotify and looking through some of our other episodes um i promise they're of much higher quality than this one um and thank you to dcfm for 
allowing me to put on this episode and for giving the opportunity to take part in this podcasting series. Um, I actually really enjoyed putting stuff together for this and for making the episode. Um, and just a little bit on the future of the hip hop stop, I suppose, in case anyone was wondering, we had big plans for the end of the semester. We had some big guests lined up and there's a lot more we wanted to do about the Irish scene. Every episode we had planned to do will hopefully be making a uh, appearance in the following year, uh, as well as some other ideas I've been cooking up. I'd say just keep an eye on our socials at TCU Hip Hop Stop because any updates will probably be posted directly there, Twitter and Instagram. But again, thank you very much for listening. I have been Connor O'Neill with the Hip Hop Stop and hopefully we'll see you soon.